This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. The board was set, races chosen, and the galaxy ripe for conquest. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. I as the Winu, my wife as Jolnar, and our sons, seven and eight, as the Clan of Sar and the Necrovirus, the third foray for our boys into the Galactic Opera. Jolnar was the dominant force in the game, the uneducated at the table taking tech every round and playing into the hands of the brittle fish. The Winu started slow and were not in reach of their ancestral birthright, the Sar immediately formed a death ball, and the Necro spread out ready for fights. With no options left and Jolnar too powerful, the Winu united the board against the matriarchy with her ever-expanding tech. Money poured into the Jolnar's coffers as system after system was activated, but the Sar pushed into the Jolnar homeworld for the largest battle the galaxy has ever known. The planet was taken in round 5, with a level 2 tech objective ripe for Jolnar's taking who, sitting at 7, could not score. With the Sar weakened and the Necro soft on Mechatol Rex, the time for the Winu had come. They took what was theirs and prepared for the final push. But Jolnar was not pleased. Unable to take back her homeworld, my loving wife poured poison into the ears of my children, and with two newly built war sons, my youngest, seven years old, invaded the Winu homeworld. Then, as if divined by the TI gods, the Invade-A-Homeworld public objective flipped. Against two war sons and the Sar's primary death ball, there was no hope, and we, lifelong gamers, lost to an eight-year-old. <laughs> Welcome to This Imperium Life 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> what up, players? We're doing stories again. Yeah. What up, what up is... ballers? What up? What hey, up? what up, pimps? This is Space Cast Peace Turtles. I'm Matt Martins. I'm Hunter Donaldson, and that was a story about a family yeah. playing Twilight Imperium together, and how touching was that? Yeah. What a good family always battling each other yeah and, and never and getting along using their children against each <laughs> yeah. other and really healthy behavior <laughs> i mean we these... use twilight imperium for the same thing i think oh, everyone yeah. uses twilight imperium to just totally. really burn their demons um you're gonna hear a lot of our voices mm-hmm. on this week's episode but a significant portion of this episode is not created by us mm-hmm. uh this is going to be the stories that you guys have been sending us that particular story was emailed to us by a fan named daniel so thank yeah. you daniel that, yeah. that was a that was a true pleasure for us to yeah, read. yeah super good story and i really just like this idea of this family playing twilight imperium together um and also i wanted to say that some people have talked about how the clan of sar and the necrovirus can be pretty complicated races to play yeah but just so you know there's a story out there in the world where a seven and eight year old played them and it sounds like they had it they were pretty much the most important players yeah. at the table yeah like, let's let's put all of our analysis into perspective and remember this is a board game anyone can yeah, it's comprehend a, it's what's about happening. plastic ships yeah. like there's a lot to it like don't get me wrong <laughs> don't get me wrong there's a lot to it but a seven-year-old can play it yeah um, yeah and an eight-year-old can win right. basically it's it's amazing and my favorite thing about this story is just imagining somewhere out there there's this family that lives together and gets to play this game literally whenever they want they've got enough people to just do it and they mm-hmm. just I am like unstoppably really jealous. jealous. Yeah, yeah, I'm so jealous of just that accessibility to yeah, just they, like they all, right, all kids, live in the down. same right. house. You're they never all live in the same house. You get to just force your children to sit down, and your your son's like, "Dad, I want to go play football," and you're like, "No, sit at the table, play the Clannasar. Daddy wants to dominate the galaxy." <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a what a what an interesting uh, family. And I like honestly, I have some questions because I wonder like how because this is this is a very like one of the bloodthirstiest stories yeah. we've gotten actually. Yeah. Uh, and it is about a family. But have you noticed like in the story itself, there's not like it sounds like they're all like pretty good sports about it in general. Right. Um, Did you make your eight-year-old cry? Yeah, like leading that's... up to this moment, that's what I want to know. <laughs> that's what I want to know too. Is like I wonder if a family can successfully play this game and it not get like salty at all. Yeah, because like I mean, it's a pretty salty game. Yeah, like, it gets... when we finish playing, usually I'm happy to have Hunter leave my house for at least a couple <laughs> hours, uh, and I don't always get that. So to have your son staying in the house yeah, around that's... you after he just crushed you in Twilight Imperium. Like, do you get to, like, go to your room? You're grounded for beating daddy. <laughs> I don't, son, I, didn't, I really didn't like the way that you played Twilight Imperium today. Yeah, I didn't right. like seeing the, the, just the, I don't know, you just didn't have a lot of spine There's in There's a it, darkness you know? in you, and, <laughs> and we're really starting to see that. I think yeah. we're going to take you out of gym. But it sounds like, <laughs> that would be horrible. If it was like, all right, no, no more choir, because I didn't like how you played Sar. That was ri- yeah. very rude. Yeah. Um, super cool story, super great. Yeah, that was a great one. Hunter, Hunter, why don't you give us another one? My last game of TI4 had the most glorious ending. I was playing the tribes and had to take trade to get the trade goods for the spend 10 trade goods objective. To my left sat the barony, also on 12 victory points with leadership. We were playing to 14. The turn played out, and my request to peacefully withdraw from his space was rebuffed with his flagship, and a decent chunk of his fleet smashed my ships aside, and he played his secret objective to unveil his flagship. Looking at the stage one objectives, there was one he could complete easily. I had to take his homeworld. There was a large fleet there, three fully text dreadnoughts in an escort screen. But I had been saving action cards through the entire game and had about 20 in my hand. 20. After discarding card after card to stall, he finally ran out of command counters and passed. At this point, I showed him what a full tribe's hand can do. But I had several hurdles that I had to overcome. My ships, literally every ship I had bar one, couldn't reach the rendezvous system. How do I fix that? Flank speed. Oh no, the ships are now activated. How do I fix that? Unexpected action. Home system is too far away. Another flank speed. Barony ships in the way? Gonna use silence of space. PDS fire maneuvering jets. Not enough firepower? Oh, I'll play a morale boost. Still not enough firepower? Fighter prototype stolen from the Jolnar. Them, they're shooting back at me? Oh no, shields holding. I did 10 hits in the first round and he did three, which did nothing to me. Despite non-Euclidean shielding, we just overwhelmed him. After this, and having crushed a large barony fleet with only a single loss, my dreadnoughts entered low orbit and flattened the two defending infantry with orbital bombardment. The barony could not claim, and with 10 trade goods, I got to 14 victory points and won the game. Yeah, that was hardcore. Like, the Yasarl like... are back, baby. They never <laughs> left. I, this is, if you need a selling point that the Yasarl, sure they were nerfed, but they didn't lose anything, this is the story to prove that. Yeah. The, the Yasarl are, are not to be scoffed at. Hey, guess what? Still no hand limit. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That's a big deal. so skeptical about, like, what's we going to happen. We were so skeptical. Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, but not us. Every, everyone. Yeah. Everyone was. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they are still a great, yeah. unpredictable We race. haven't played a single 14-point game. But realizing how some races get affected when games go on that long, Ysarl's a big one. Because to have 20 action cards is horrifying. Honestly, this like this story makes me feel like once we start playing 14-point games, we might have to start the whole podcast yeah, over right. <laughs> and just like hit a reset button and be like, all right, so... Everything's different. Yeah, we've been... We, all of this has been on the 10-point scale, right. but at the 14-point scale, things change. But God, and just what's so crazy about that, too, is that all of those action cards that get listed at the end of the story, none of them are really, like, that crazy. It's just the sheer amount of them. Besides the sheer... In the Silence of Space, yeah, they're right. all cards that, like, they're, like, yeah. multiples of. Like, Fighter Prototype, there might only be one of those. But, like, sure, still, but... it's not even a crazy card, Fighter yeah. Prototype. But, and you want to talk about pruning your deck. I mean, everything... You obviously burned a bunch of cards to, to stall for this long, but you knew everything you kept was a combat focus. Like, it all came down to, I need to win... A stellar combat so when you have 20 action cards you get to get pretty selective if the the trade-off had been you needed to do some other play you had 20 action cards so you could have burned all the morale boosts and flank speeds to accomplish whatever the other goal may have needed to be i mean this is just like 
what do you do against someone with 20 action cards? Mm-hmm. And also, I think in general, this is just like a really cool strategy for Isarl to just be like, I'm not going to use, I'm literally going right. to hold back and just save up this hand of cards. Because I think generally speaking, if you've got 20 action cards, you can probably shut a player down that's about to win. Like yes, this, this, That's probably absolutely. a pretty good like assumption that yeah. you can do. And God, it's just so amazing. Like, like I want to go back through them. Flank speed, unexpected action, another flank speed, in the silence of space, maneuvering jets, morale boost, fighter prototype, shields holding. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's so amazing. Robofish, good job. Yeah. No, that, that was from Robofish. We didn't say yeah. that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, from Robofish. He posted it in our BGG guild. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, yeah, long, long time listener. Actually, I think he did email to us. I just said from our BGG guild. You know what? He sent it via carrier pigeon. Who cares? <laughs> like, he, yeah, he, he mailed it to us. He wrote it on. Uh, he carved it into He whispered some into that stone. tree. He whispered into oh, that tree yeah, you he, talked he about. He whispered into that tree. I talked Steve about Martin heard it. And then Steve Martin right. sent us an email telling Robofish's story. Yeah. I Let's do another one. Okay, sure. I, as the extra, was at nine points, and my roommate, as Soul, at eight. The other four people at the table did math just as fervently as we did, looking at all the factors on the board to see who would bring home the bacon to old Mechatol Rex. Soul, while a point behind, picked his strategy card before me and wisely picked a higher initiative number, but was still a few trade goods short of the two-point objective that would grant him victory. Fortunately, to my left sat Joel Nahr, and he had done a fantastic job of being a huge pain to me the entire game. Our border was in constant war after I refused to let him send a carrier into my pie slice so that he could nab a secret agenda point. Not on my watch, you slave-owning nerd frog. After that, thousands of extra and Jolnar lives were sacrificed to feed our egos as we constantly skirmished. What saved me was my kind neighbor, Sardak Nor, who had his own border issues to deal with, so we demilitarized our property lines. With Sol just two trade goods short, and the victory going to me in the status phase if nothing changed, Jolnar decided to twist the knife in my side by giving Sol the needed trade goods just to spite me, his constant enemy. I roared against the injustice, but knew this was completely part of the game. Relationships at the table were half the battle, after all, and my animosity with Jolnar paid me back in terrible dividends. It looked like there would be no victory for the Peace Turtles today, after all, as Sol would score before me, going from 8 points to 10, and claiming the seat of power to rule us for a thousand years. But wait. Across the galaxy... The barony had taken Imperial. He had no chance of winning, but it was the secondary I cared about. I suspected that a status phase secret objective had been discarded by Hakan earlier, but I had no idea what it could be. I stalled by activating an empty system and finally drew the second to last secret objective when the barony flipped his strategy card. Aha! The beautiful red letters, the words of redemption, an action phase secret objective. Turn their fleets to dust, the secret objective told me. Use space cannon to destroy the last of a player's ships in a system. It muttered like the weird sisters to Macbeth. My hopes were caught up short as I looked at my PDS network. All I had in range were vast Jolnar fleets, nothing to satisfy these particular conditions. The flame of hope began to shrink, but then rose as I looked to the PDS I built on a whim on the border of my peaceful neighbor. One hex over, he had parked a dreadnought. Banking on the goodwill built up between us in the last six hours, and knowing his own victory was out of reach, I asked him not to use sustained damage when my PDS fired upon his dreadnought, and that would grant me victory. His eyes narrowed as he stared at me in thought for a moment, then proclaimed, Sustaining damage is for cowards anyways. We'll take it head on. And he smiled as he removed his dreadnought from the board, blasted out of the cosmos by a friendly force, all for the greater good. I moved my score marker to ten, barely ahead of soul, taking the win by the skin of my turtle teeth. That was from Zach Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he emailed that to us? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He's also a pretty regular... Uh, person on our twitter feed and he hung out with us the whole day uh when we played our holiday spectacular he also so got in some pretty he got in some jokes. solid jokes so we're, we're becoming a big fan of zach's storytelling and and one-liners yeah very very well written i really like uh i will say 
Um, when I did the voice for the Sardak Nor ship, um, I, you know, we all know that the Sardak Nor probably sound more like, but I just felt like if I did that, you guys probably wouldn't understand what the, what was happening. Yeah. In the it's story. a different so language. I just want to let you know that I made like who an, are you, an actor Who choice. were you trying to kind of, you know, call up? What, what was your inspiration for, for the voice you decided uh, on? Oh, I didn't know that you were going to ask me to do that voice. So I kind of just like leaned just into slightly it. British, sure. which I think is generally what people do. When yeah. they're asked to when do a voice, to to like, when you're quickly. suddenly asked to do a voice, you know you basically just go like, "Well, I'll just be kind of British, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> it's the best you could do. Let's talk about the story. This is a perfect example. Okay, Zach won because of king making, king making, absolute kinging, but only because he was going to lose because of king making. Mm-hmm. I love. That this story devolved into just like everyone's gotta really start patting each other on the back and and get get everybody else on their side. To me, it's kind of like a cautionary tale yeah. for like deciding to, to for being the first person to decide to do that like kind of petty king making yeah, stuff. Yeah. Because if you do, that means that's now like legal at the table, right, which means somebody else point. might just king make you out. <laughs> yeah, like right. just be like, all right, well then I'm gonna king make the other guy. Yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of. I mean, people will decry this sort of behavior in board gaming in general but i do feel like in twilight imperium this is completely appropriate you've been playing this game for so long and so many like things have happened along the way that you you have deeply offended other players at the board i think it is well within their rights when victory is completely out of their grasp to behave in whatever way they want given the circumstances right right yeah, I mean, like, you get to a point where it's like, there's no way that I'm going to win. Like, right. And the game is over. Yeah, because in a lot of ways, sometimes inaction is just as much of kingmaking as anything else, right? Sometimes Letting, you can't avoid it. Right. One person getting to steal an objective and win, if you have a way to stop them, you, you should take that action. So what's to say you shouldn't boost someone else up? I don't know. I have a pretty weird... I think it depends on the game. If everyone's been playing a strategically solid, like, no goofy business game, mm-hmm. maybe this starts to feel dirty. But in, in like, high meta, like, goofy games where everyone's there to have a good time, I have no problem with, with a game ending in this kind of backdoor politics. Yeah, and I, I feel like the Jolnar really got their just desserts, really. Yeah, Just yeah, for, exactly. like, going there. Like, yeah, it's... Request uh, to even request the trade goods. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's it's such a good, like, cautionary tale for that type of play and that way of thinking because, like, yeah, like, the the second somebody's willing to throw their whole game to give yeah. the game to somebody else, well, then that's there's nothing to stop somebody else from doing that as well. Right. I mean, if anything, like, one of my arguments for, like, basically the Yin Brotherhood is... That's the kind of game you're playing to a certain extent is like you're just looking to destroy relationships and and kind of burn everything to the ground and and hope to rise out of the ashes. So you're reliant on this kind of game where emotions take precedence over strict strategy. Sometimes I kind of wish that there was like a mechanic in the game that allowed for players that aren't doing as well in the late game. Yeah, a co-op victory. Yeah, to sort of just like hitch their horse to like somebody doing well i think you as players do that yeah like in this circumstance the sardak nor shares that victory yeah for sure i and i think that should be everybody's attitude yeah. in that particular like like group should right. be that like well clearly the sardak nor could not have and, done it without the sardak the yeah. two of us will be friends forever right that, right yeah it's, it's, right. it's an emotional like, victory so he was playing as the extra. So like when when the extra take the throne at Mechatol, the yeah. idea would be like the Sardak would be like secretary. Yeah, of State. exactly. Like right. No, that's a, that's all it is. Is that the extra? It's a perfect win for extra too because as a diplomat, that's all you're trying to achieve anyways. Mm-hmm. Is is diplomatic victory it's funny too i remember in the space lions documentary they kind of mentioned this like pretty casually and didn't really explore it but apparently there was talk while they were developing ti4 of implementing like a vassal type of oh, right. mechanic Some sort of vassal where ability. you could vassalize like i don't i actually i mean i have no idea how it would work i sure. literally would just but, have to but talk it's like about who it. knows maybe maybe it comes to us in an eventual expansion i know there have been talks on board game geek and whatnot of people trying to come up with their own homebrew version of it it's something i've always thought of wanting to do i I think i think personally the board game rex just is that like if you want to do that you should just play rex but obviously there's some differences there but i think you can pull aspects of rex into twilight imperium i mean also that's what that's what shard of the throne 
expansion sort of did that that whole other player variant that's why i want to play that someday still i think yeah, we'll, we i think we will really eventually should. do an episode where we play that and get some really good co-op victories out yeah, of it yeah i think so i i think it would be really cool if there was like certain factors in the game that could cause like it to work out where you have to pick a side yes. you know what i mean like right. I, I i wouldn't like it if like every game would become like a game of like all right so it becomes like a team game halfway through right but like if there were certain like requirements triggered it certain like score spreads and then like maybe an agenda that would like force it to happen where it's like all right well there can only be like two and you have to pick one right right. that would be cool to set the scene my best friend irl who we will call freebs and i were neighbors um not in real life in the game I was Hakan, and he was Jolnar. Every game we play, we always try to ally with each other, and we usually play variants where more than one person can win, with very formal rules on what alliances were. This game started off that way. My other neighbor got off to a really poor start. He only started with one carrier and didn't build another right away. So I decided to head for Mechatol. The rest of the table was already noticing how much power we had. Freebs was starting to build some good tech and had decent fleets, and I had a fantastic pie slice that essentially included Mechatol. I was promising peace. I never wanted any trouble with anyone, and so was Freebs. We both, however, knew that eventually they would come for us, especially when all four of our opponents were talking quietly together. I wanted to continue how I was playing, but Freebs, in a very short amount of time, decided he couldn't stay back and let the fight come to us. So he decided to attack his other neighbor, even though both said they wouldn't strike the other first. I was not on board with that plan, as it went against everything I was trying to tell everyone else. So I decided that I would formally break our alliance during the status phase and started secret conversations with people across the board to build a new one. Before even the next player's turn had finished, Freebs had realized that I was going to leave our alliance through the ways that I was talking to him and to others and the plans that I was making. He accuses me of this, and I can't even pretend to fake like I don't know what he was talking about. I start laughing because it was too perfect. I was set up beautifully for a while, but unknown to me at the time, Freebs had also secretly messaged everyone around the table, saying something different to each person, essentially telling them that he wanted nothing more but to screw me over. Freebs's neighbor eventually became his strongest ally in a war against me. At one point during the late game, he came up to me and sarcastically asked me to be his ally. I reminded him that I broke the alliance because he broke his word, but if he was ready to stick to his word, I would readily accept him as an ally again. He told me it was too late for that. Lines had been drawn, and there was no going back. I told him I had to do what was best for my people, a people that kept their word. And I asked him if he believed he was doing what was best for his people. He said he was, and that was all that mattered to me. So I don't know what that game was. That was uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones, the board game, <laughs> brought to you by George R. R. Martin. Uh, yeah, t- going off the back of talking about alliances and alliance victories, this is the kind of stuff that is that is possible. That was brought to us by The Real Liebs from uh, Reddit Twilight Imperium. And uh, man, I, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for yeah, from that like was, an alliance rule set. That was completely set. insane. Yeah. That, that like, that... That group, that Ned Stark so... versus Tywin Lannister God, behavior, that, that was yeah. so dramatic. <laughs> and it's funny because it was dramatic, and, and I don't even understand what the board state was. Right? Yeah, you yeah. Know, like... It was literally everything was above the table. It doesn't even matter that they were playing Twilight Imperium. Yeah, they could have been playing anything. Yeah. They could have been playing like checkers, <laughs> right. or they'd made up like team rules for checkers, and that story would have worked just as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it definitely sounds like they were playing some sort of like homebrew version yeah, like yeah. I which i not... love it you gotta i don't know if you've already posted this on uh the subreddit or anything but you you gotta send us your guys's like strict ally rules for that we we want to we want to try that out and we want to advertise that because that that's exactly what i want yeah. from some ally oh totally style ti yeah this might be a really good opportunity to say that we are not like i would say we are purist and also homebrew yeah. people at the same yeah, time. yeah right like right. like we we 
we like playing the game exactly as intended. We liked getting the meal exactly as the chef cooked it. Right. But we also, you know, will occasionally add Tabasco and Cholula, <laughs> you know, and Aardvark, you know? Like, we're, we're not we're, we're not those, we're, we're not, not outside of that. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I mean, I've never played, uh, what is it called? Shattered, Shattered Ascension. Ascension. I've never played Shattered Ascension, uh, but I'm interested. Like, I would want to check it out. Yeah. I'd want to yeah. see what they've got. It sounds like whatever these guys are playing is very much like I can't even he even at the like very end we we cut this out but he described that there was like some tie breaking rules yeah, they had yeah. for alliances basically the the victor of the game kind of just was like it just happened but really like that's not what is even important right. in the game everything the fact that your friend betrayed himself his people and you that's when the game ended. <laughs> Just this idea that these people are playing this game and that they actually looked at each other was yeah. like, I'm doing what's right for my people. Yeah. <laughs> are you? Like, that's uh, a nice That thing. Also, there was the, another story earlier, um, which we did not cut this detail. I just, like, we didn't talk about it after the story. But yeah. there was a really funny thing that I think Robofish did. Somebody described uh, that... They that thousands were lost yeah, in right. the fights, <laughs> in the like fight. like that. that That's while my you're favorite playing, thing. You're Honestly, we we get a, a lot of really great this Imperium life submissions. But something I I crave is there are a few people out there who do like to write basically fan fiction, but base that fan fiction on the events of the game. I know I've done that in the past, and I would love to get to a point where we start getting this Imperium life submissions that are purely from the perspective of characters in that universe i just remembered you essentially used to do i this. used to do that i used to try to get everyone else to do it but i would send after the game would finish i would send everyone long stupid facebook messages that were just like all right here's my recap of the game using the player as characters yeah and you would turn it into an actual tale yeah, with yeah. like npcs and right, stuff. right yeah yeah Oh, good. That that was actually th- this story. It's funny because we didn't we didn't review it a lot before we started reading we it. And as I started it. reading it, I was like really feeling the yeah. drama <laughs> of it so much. That was a really that was really fun to read. Yeah, thank you. Early in the game, the Winu had taken Mechatol Rex and sat there with a massive armada. Jolnar and Hakan kept taking tech and trade respectively because the other three were attempting to stall us both out on our strengths. This meant that we weren't selecting political, which meant that Sardak kept the speaker token. Since Winu were second to pick, they kept taking Imperial and getting their free point. It was frustrating to say the least. Finally, Sardak worked up the courage and attempted to take Mechatol by sending every ship he had in, but he failed. He stood. At the end of the battle, he had one dreadnought left in his fleet, and the Sardak only had a cruiser. He looked at the Sardak player in the eyes and said, The Winu have found you to be... Dramatic pause as he dropped the die for his dreadnought, rolling a 10. Insufficient. Later, the objective came out to own three tech specialty planets. I was lucky because I had three close to me. I owned the one nearest to me, but the one to my left was taken by the Jolnar. But he didn't have any ships in the system, only one lonely fish floating around on the planet I needed. But just like the end of the movie Madagascar, my lions were hungry for fish. So, I took that easily. But he moved his fleet in to take it back, which resulted in a long battle, returning the system to his control, but not the planet, because I was able to destroy his carrier. Now onto the tech planet to my right, between me and the barony. I decided that since I had a good relationship with them for most of the game, I could maybe buy their compliance for just one round, then I'd return it. So I used trade and replenished my silky golden hairballs that are the finest in the galaxy and offered them a trade. The barony looked at the planet and looked back at me and demanded nine of my trade goods. I tried to explain how commodities versus trade goods worked. He responded, I know the difference, but if you want that victory point, the barony demands payment, and the only payment we will accept is your suffering. That story was from The True J from Reddit Twilight Imperium. Yeah. And honestly, that story makes me feel, and a lot of the stories that we've read today actually makes me feel like I want to have a game where we uh, where we cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> because while you were reading it, the whole time I imagined that every player was like dressed up in all was... their. <laughs> because I just feel like that's the only way they were able to find yeah. those like lines deep right. in their heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Barony needs a high collared, like button up shirt mm-hmm. and a and a and a cap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, very good. You skirted yeah. the whole Nazi thing there. Right? Like, very, very well. Those are really good. Did you guys feel how he, like, suggested, like, a kind of a World War One German soldier versus... I described a Nazi without describing yeah. a Nazi. Very, very good. Um, and then, what, the Jolnar would just bring an aquarium or right, something? Right, yeah, just like... stand in it in a pool of water the whole game. A little ball with a goldfish. I'm developing athlete's foot. <laughs> Uh, good story. I think it's just in- interesting the ways that some players, when they play Twilight Imperium, they're able to get so emotionally connected exactly. to the choices that they're making. And sometimes I will say in our games, I don't feel that. Like when we played the Holiday Spectacular, yeah. that came back to me. Right. Like in a big Getting way. to get into character with people improves this game dramatically. Yeah, honestly, that whole the whole time you're reading that story, I could not stop thinking about me and Sean's relationship yeah. in yeah. the Holiday game right. that we played. I will say this. There is no better feeling in the universe than setting up a one-liner that relies on a good die roll and dropping the appropriate roll and then getting to finish the one-liner. One of our players during during the Holiday Spectacular had one of those moments. And every time it happens, it's like, oh, now just like the... God is on your side. Yeah, that you yeah. didn't. You're not playing what fair anymore. I don't remember. It what... wasn't a big deal, but just he got to go. How does it feel? And drop the die, and it turned up victorious. Yeah, so the yeah. whole table screams in joy. So it was like he said, "How does it feel?" Before he even yeah, saw yeah. the he, result the, of the, the die. The feel landed at the same moment as the die hitting it, and then reveal to a ten. Just God, like that's disgusting. So, that's like the most fun thing about this game. Actually, mm-hmm. is like how. How much the stakes and your attitude towards the stakes yeah. can be so much fun. Yeah, man, I want to play it. I want next. I want to play it. Can we go game play Twilight Imperium? Yeah. All right, we're gonna now. go. We're gonna leave and we're gonna go play Twilight <laughs> Imperium. Just from a strategic perspective, the barony is making all the right choices. Right, right. I mean, that's not only is that a beautiful moment for just like the emotions of the game, but like, yeah, I, I don't think about this often enough. But like, when you trade with Hakan. Demand their trade goods. Like, make them gain nothing where you mm-hmm. gain stuff. Like, see what well, you can pull off. Especially if they're off. trying to get something that isn't just trade Right, goods. exactly. Like, really, really see what kind of damage you can do. Because they can afford to pay you. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. They can the Hakan can always afford to pay people, so you should make them pay you for stuff. I think especially if I was playing as a con and I was essentially trying to buy a victory point, mm-hmm. and somebody, was, like, somebody tried to uh, really, really negotiate that... I would have nothing but respect for that. Right, yeah. You know what like, I mean? I would just okay. have to be like, well, yep. Here's a for a BP. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess you get nine. Yeah. Let's do another one. Mm-hmm. The only players that really matter in this game are the Isarl and the Mentak. Isarl is spread very thin in this game, but ahead on victory points at seven. The next closest is five with two players having that, one of which is the Mentak. Isarl offers the second place player Isarl's support for the throne for a single trade good. A bad trade. A very bad trade. A very not good trade. The second place player thinks something is sounding fishy, so they decline it. What a genius. Isarl offers the same deal to the Mentak player who says, why not, and takes it. Isarl then does the primary of Imperial to spend 15 influence plus one trade good to get two victory points and goes to nine. There is a stage one objective that they can most definitely claim during the objective phase. It's a tech one that they already qualify for. So now everyone is gunning for their home system and telling Mentak that he shouldn't have taken the deal, that he is a stupid, that he is a dum-dum, that he is a loser, that he messed us up for everybody. Well, the only player who can get to Isarl's home system is the Mentak player, so everyone apologizes to him, and now they need him to take a planet in Isarl's home system. Mentak manages to send a single Cruiser 2 with a single infantry to the system that has zero infantry but one PDS. The PDS misses the Cruiser, and it misses the infantry. They take the planet. Everyone notes that they lose Isarl's support for the throne here. They basically just gave Isarl two victory points and a trade good for nothing. It was a bad trade. Mentak was a dum-dum, a poop-poop, a ding-dong. Isarl thinks for a while, 
but the only units they have is a dreadnought with an infantry three spaces away. Fortunately for them, they have a flank speed, and one of the spaces between the home system and the dreadnought is a gravity rift. They go for it, play the flank speed, and go through the rift. They roll for the rift, and nothing gets blown up. The PDS destroys the cruiser, the dreadnought lands the infantry, and the Isarl infantry in a one-on-one -on -one fight takes out the invading infantry. The infantry survives. Isarl has taken back their home system and is eligible to win victory points again. Isarl goes on to win the game in the status phase with the next closest player at seven victory points. All because Mentech player took Isarl's support for the throne for one trade good, a bad trade, a not good trade, a dumb, dumb, bad, bad trade. That was Topaz Dragon 5676 from the Twilight Imperium subreddit. And um, in the early days of Twilight Imperium for us, it was very, very common for people to offer up these sort of like mutually assured victory point trades or this just kind of like, oh, no, just let me score it. Just let me score it. It'll be fine. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And this story is the perfect example of why that sort of behavior has become not even just unacceptable, but unacceptable to even consider. Our players don't even make these offers anymore because they know the table will just turn on them so quickly for thinking they can get away with a victory point for one trade good. A bad trade. A, a doo-doo trade. A terrible, a poopy trade. I don't know if I mentioned, but it was a ding-dong yeah, trade. Yeah, it was a ding-dong trade. Support for the throne in general lately, not to counter what you're saying, because I think this is our kind of general attitudes, mm -hmm. but not to out any particular player. The last two games that I won, part of the reason that I won them <laughs> is because my neighbor gave me a support for the throne. Very, for, for very, seemingly very little. Or at the very least... For things that are harder to define, like board position and favors and yeah, things like that. Yeah, and and both times it was because the player wanted to do something risky, yeah. basically. They wanted it to open up their options. But, I mean, I think I just want to use this opportunity and those opportunities to say giving out a support for the throne is, like... Pretty bad. It's gigantic. Honestly, too, you can almost always make any other promissory note offer, and the person might take it. Mm -hmm. Like, in that situation... A ceasefire would have solved everything, and the player may have taken a ceasefire. Like, I think ceasefires are just as powerful as support for the thrones, and in some ways more effective than support for the thrones. Um, th no, there's nothing worse than a support for the throne given out early, because then you look at the end game and go, well, that support for throne is technically what won them the game, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it helped them build the yeah. lead. Right, yeah. but, but even without that, just like, it's a dangerous card. You have to know you're getting the better end of the deal before you give out a support for the throne. Mm -hmm. And I want to, uh, before you guys get at me at how how hard I came down on the Mentech guy, I was adding in all of the little dum-dums and, yeah. and stupid stupids. <laughs> um, and that's just me being playful. I don't think, you know, people make mistakes in Twilight Imperium all of the time. And it doesn't make you a dum-dum. Yeah, and, and it's not even necessarily a mistake. Like, they didn't know Yasaro was going to be able to accomplish taking their home system back. So it's, I don't know. There's yeah, a they, lot of ways to look at it, but in and general. And I think they also probably didn't, understand that trade goods could be spent as influence that's probably Maybe, also yeah. it like they probably yeah, this, didn't know about that little rule this sort of interaction would never happen at, at one of our tables because you would look at the board and go well i know exactly what you need that trade good for right, uh, right. unacceptable but for sure i think in this story they did not understand that yeah so he didn't like. he didn't understand that he was giving two victory points to the sorrel right and getting only one for himself yeah um yeah, good. I don't know. Support for the Throne in general is a very, very weird card. There's lots to talk about. I mean, there are people who straight up think that it should be pulled from the game, which I think is extreme. I do think it's like a valuable thing you should use, but I think you have to treat it like that. You only use it in the most dire of circumstances. I did give one out in my last game. Yeah. I gave it to uh, a, a, a player that had been kneecapped, right. and then I invaded his his pie slice right yeah you you give it out when you know you're getting the better end of the deal when right. the victory point doesn't matter because you know what you're planning and you know what you're about to accomplish right you don't give it out early game just because you need to accomplish something that's going to get you your fourth victory point like that doesn't matter you save support for the thrones for the end game when you accomplish stuff that people weren't expecting i gave it to someone that was likely uh 
not going to do well as far as the rest of the game was concerned yeah. and also was very likely going to have to choose to give it up anyways yeah. if they wanted to take back their planet. And if anything, in that sort of circumstance, that's a better reason not to accept support for the throne. It's like, if you know, if you know you're not going to win, and there's always situations where, like, you're pretty sure you're not going to win, don't accept a support for the throne. Accept something that's going to hurt the other player more. Support for the thrones are not that big of a deal because at the end of the day... They can always break the support for the throne. Like, you, either of you can break that support for the throne. But a ceasefire, that takes mm-hmm. time to waste that ability. It also puts the impetus on you. Exactly. So the thing about support for the throne is it actually also makes it more complicated. Like, once you get the VP, it makes it complicated for yourself because you cannot attack that person. Or you basically you losing, can't activate yeah. a hex with any of their units on it without losing that VP. Ooh, and now you're right. going to factor that into everything. Exactly. So it's, it's really... It is more complex than what oftentimes it is traded for a lot of times it's traded for as just like this is the most valuable thing i have Mm -hmm. give me pretty much anything i want i haven't yet seen anyone trade a support for the throne for a support for the throne but in my mind that would be pretty unacceptable to me as a third party I think that would drive me insane to that see would, two people swap support for the I can't believe I actually have never really considered that, but yeah. that is like... It's like a version of trading ceasefires, which I'm more okay with two people trading ceasefires, because at the very least, at least that stagnates board position. Honestly, though, I would say what I would do if if I saw two players at the table trade support for the Thrones, this is like relating sort of back to, that, um, to the point we made in that other story about how if you like sink to a certain level... Uh, that makes that way of playing yeah. open season, and I would right. immediately turn to my neighbor and be like, "All right, I'm sorry, but like we have to be buds now, and I, we yeah. have to trade support. Yeah, for we have friends. to do. Like, we got to get some. Like work. basically, it to me, it would make the game a two v two v two. Yeah, because I I would force it to be that way. I wouldn't right. let right. them get away with that. I've seen stories around of of people who like the winning player won because they had like three or four support for the thrones, and I don't even understand how that. I I weep. I yeah, cry. I can't believe that the rest of the board allowed that to happen. Mm-hmm. Sad. Clown. Also, that's a pretty difficult situation to win in when there's three people you can't yeah, attack. Yeah, how do they even do yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, in, in my mind, it's pretty much primarily Joel Nar who, like, oh, now I get to just bank tech objectives and win the game that yeah. way. I don't know. Yeah, I think the VPs have to kind of like play you out of that. Yeah, but yeah. I would never give a Joel Nar a support for the throne. I'll say Absolutely that much. Not. They can do so Absolutely much damage not. with it because they can get so many passive victory points they really i don't know if we did we mention this in the jolnar episode the no. idea that jolnar can jolnar more so than any other race can get more passive objectives oh yeah, yeah. Than well anybody. just the fact that tech objectives should always come to you automatically mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't even have to think about having to acquire it we just definitely like, talk about yeah, that yeah yeah i was mentac It was down to the wire, and it was me versus the L1Z1X for who was going to win that turn. And I had the higher initiative, so I was gonna get it. I had built a perimeter around my home system, but I was stretched pretty thin, so I didn't have any ships actually in the home system. So, L1Z1X plays in the silence of space to slip past my perimeter and invade my home system. I beg the Yasaro player to sabotage the L1Z1X's action card, and the Yasaro decides that it's up to me and the L1Z1X guy to convince him who deserves to rule the galaxy. So, I do this impassioned speech about how the Mentech is a democracy made up of equals and everyone will have all this freedom and rights. We're the rejects of the galaxy banding together to stand against the tyranny of people just like the L1Z1X. And how could the Ysaril justify letting the cyborgs have their reign of darkness and terror over the galaxy? The Ysaril player asked if there was a place for his tribe in the Mentech coalition. And I told him there definitely was that his kind would thrive in Mentax society. And he was getting swayed, and he asked for a medal for the Asarl. And I told him I'd get him the biggest medal anyone had ever seen. So, he sabotages the L1Z1Xs in the silence of space. The next day at work, I got in before he did, 
and I googled giant metal, and I found a picture of what was essentially a manhole cover painted gold and hung by a ribbon across somebody's driveway gate. I used MS Paint to put to our new friends and new allies, the Yasarl tribes. Sincerely, the Mentak Coalition. Printed it out and taped it to his monitor. He still has it there all these years later. That was brought to us by R.A. Chirano from uh, Reddit Twilight Imperium. That was like a Pixar movie <laughs> of like a Twilight Imperium game. It was, it was like, like, like Twilight, or it's like Star Wars, the end of Star Wars. There's yeah. a meddling yeah. ceremony. <laughs> yeah. I love that we keep driving home these like completely non strategic stories that are just purely about ego and hubris and, mm-hmm. and like everything but what does it mean to actually win a twilight I imperium think essentially game. that's i think what we love about this game though yeah. is the intersection of massive strategy right you got to massive... this point because of massive strategy right but the end of the game it's all hubris yeah it's, yeah, all... <laughs> it's all it's all you and your how you are and your right. ego and you're this guy are people going to allow you to get away with the things you've done to get to the position that you're in Mm -hmm. it's about saying saucy stuff (laughs) it's about throwing honestly like it's about throwing the dice down and saying something mean and then like in the dice back you up and now you're that guy it's about congratulating someone on being your teammate right you know it's a it's about all of these things it's a it's it's twilight imperium is not just strategy right and it's it a could shame. be it's a terrible strategy game if it's purely strategy it re- it there's really too many is. random it's, that's the reason most like eurocentric people mm-hmm. hate twilight imperium there's so many random elements there's no way you can rely on a perfectly executed strategy to win you the game you rely on the will of the other players right and the and your own will and your own will to persevere your ideas and your personality and you're negotiating off the table right and like you're the the meta that you bring to the game is oftentimes just as powerful as the strategy, Yeah, basically. Absolutely. I love doing these episodes. These are great. <laughs> to completely get away from strategy and basically just talk about like what people have said to each other yeah. in games yeah. and stuff, Like it's it's fantastic. It's important to, to note these things because, again, these are the biggest takeaways people have from this game. These mm-hmm. are the things that people remember. Nobody remembers that one time that I adequately spent my two resource planet to acquire this certain unit and then saved my fort like nobody remembers any of that but you remember the dice roll that ended it all or you remember the moment someone said give me a medal and i'll give you victory right right yeah, nobody has sent us a story yet of how they successfully stalled out first round of right. warfare. Like, <laughs> that's not that's not what people are taking away from this game. But that is part like that is that part, is part of, of it. That's like a, the simplest unit of it. Yeah. But God, the like just the emotions involved mm-hmm. and everything. What a great this is. I would like to go on record and say that this is a good game. So we're gonna wrap it up there. This this was incredibly fun. I love doing these episodes. I want to real quickly say sorry to anyone whose story we didn't use. We'll keep doing these episodes. We might even start doing them more often, just because we get so many good stories, and we just don't quite have the amount of time per episode to really showcase every single story that we get. Yeah, and we don't want to give you too many stories in a row as like a chunk because we feel like there is eventually a point of like everything kind of starts blending together. Yeah, we yeah. Want, we a lot of these story. stories even today, a lot of these stories even started to kind of run on the same theme. And that mm-hmm. might be something we pursue in the future with this Imperium Life is like this episode will be dedicated to this sort of interaction right. or whatever. That's actually something We're I was kind of learning about. more about this ser- series as we do it. So, so sorry if your story didn't get used, but we, we really do hope to use it in the future and just keep sending us stories in perpetuity. We, we always want to be having kind of a backlog of stories we could potentially use for mm-hmm. this. Yeah, this will be a, like, I mean, we've already established this, but this is a running element of Absolutely. the show that, like, will keep happening every once in a while, every couple months. Yeah, we'll it'll definitely keep happening. We love doing it too much to ever put this episode style to rest. Mm-hmm. So you, you can rest assured we will we will get to your story eventually. I will say the longer your story is the harder it is for us to make it workable. Right. So if you're able to condense stories down into like the essential meat to get to what the kind of 
what the guts of the story are, what the best part of that story is, it's better. If you give us an entire game recap, we just don't really have the time for that. That's not really what we're seeking out in this. So if you can condense it into its like most important moments, that's what we're really, really hoping to get. Mm-hmm. I really like. Uh, all the submissions we got this, this time around. It was really, really good. And we want to just thank everyone that did submit anything, regardless of whether it was featured in the episode. Absolutely. Like we really, really appreciate uh, everyone who put work into sending us these like really just really great stories of yeah. really great games that I wish I could have been there for. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, it really gets us like juiced to play more Twilight Imperium. And I hope that's what it does for everybody else too. If, mm-hmm. if we can express these moments of games to people who don't get to play the game very often, that again goes back to like the core of what we're trying to do with Space Cats Peace Turtles, which is just like give you the opportunity to play without playing. Yeah. And honestly, these episodes are the ones where when we get done recording them, I'm like, I really want to play yeah. the game right now. When we do one of the strategy episodes, it's like, like, I'm burnt I played out. before, yeah. and now I got this out finally. Right. And it's like, all right, good. We're yeah. done with that. Next thing, I guess. You yeah, know, like, yeah. It's we finished these different. episodes, and it's like, where's where's four more people? Let's yeah. sit down. Come on, I'm ready I to go. I feel fresh after this. It's yeah. great. So we're going to sign off. Thank you so much for joining us here at Space Cats Peace Turtles. Oh, yeah, and also we're not doing errata this week. Yes, we will attach yeah. uh, last week's errata to next week's episode, which will be Soul. Yeah, right? Federation, Federation of Soul, of Soul is next week. Nice. So we'll we'll have some Jolnar errata at the end of our Soul episode. Yes. You can follow us on Space Cats Pod on Twitter, mm-hmm. Space Cats Peace Turtles on Facebook. You can email us, spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. You can find our episode posts on the Twilight Imperium subreddit. You can also find our Board Game Geek Guild. Uh, Usually the link is in the Twilight Imperium subreddit. You can also message us anywhere and we'll send it to you. And we also, very, very, very soon, we will have our Patreon up and ready for those of you who are willing to take part and want to help us um, finalize our efforts to get a really good tournament video out of this year's upcoming Gen Con. We're hoping to have that up this week is really my goal. Um, so please look forward to that if, if that's the kind of thing you're willing to take part in. And we look forward to talking about Soul next week. Yeah, and we are also on the Beanie Babies forum. I oh, wanted yeah. to mention that. We are on the Game and Wildlife Commission. We uh, mess around a lot. We on are ham- members of your Congress. Uh, and yeah, we mess around a lot on ham radio uh, <laughs> late at night if you guys want to join us. If you guys want to join our ham radio, it's Space Dad's Peace Brothers. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, we're just you know, fun. Yeah, all fine. This is the know? part where we let the podcast peter out and the music fades in and then the drop hits and then yeah. the episode ends. The drop hits and Skrillex, Skrillex is, really comes in. just tears us to pieces. Did you know that like, if you play the episode to the very end, uh, Skrillex starts playing? A lot of people don't make it all the way to the very, very end, but if you like let it go, you know what I'm saying? It's really gonna... Skrillex. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>